Well, that really jolted the whole soft landing thing, didn't it? Some pretty alarming statistics about the U.S. labor market during the week, which is going to end up with the August payroll report on Friday. And we're not starting off very well here. In fact, getting the idea that maybe the economy isn't heading for a soft landing. And why do we think it would be anyway? I mean, look at Asia. Asia's a complete mess. China's going through all mess, all sorts of problems. Currency, dollar funding issues, economic concerns out the wazoo. Europe. Europe is already in recession, regardless of what they say about GDP to this point. Europe is already in recession. and Every single piece of evidence that continues to come in suggests the recession is only going to get worse through the latter half of this year and on into next year. So why would we expect that the United States of all places is going to avoid the same fate that's going on throughout the rest of the world and hit this nice, gentle, Goldilocks soft landing? Well, the answer, at least according to the Federal Reserve, is the labor market. Now, we pay attention to the Fed, not because its monetary policies are monetary or that they matter all that much, but largely because most of the public gets their, their interpretations, their sense of the economy from the Federal Reserve. It filters down from the Fed's models through the financial press into out into the public, and everybody's sense of the economic situation comes basically from Jay Powell's mouth. And what his mouth said at the press conference he held in July was, while the jobs to workers gap has narrowed, labor demand still substantially exceeds the supply of available workers. So what are we going to be looking at, he asked. Really, it will be the broader, the whole broader picture. And starting with, we're looking for moderate growth, right? We're looking for supply and demand through the economy coming into better balance, including in particular the labor market. And what he's specifically referring to at that part, the labor shortage. The idea that demand for labor is off the charts at the same time the supply of workers is constricted for a variety of reasons. Therefore, companies have to compete for scarce workers, driving wages up. And as wages go up, that means consumer prices have to be raised in order to compensate companies for the higher wage costs and it's inflation. We lead to the wage price spiral. So long as we're experiencing the labor shortage, the bad news, according to the Fed, is that's inflation risks. The good news, according to a recent paper the Fed is obviously using here, is that it still doesn't preclude a soft landing. We'll talk about that paper at the end. We'll talk about the labor market statistics. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Eurodollar University, I'm going to be having a webinar on Friday. That's September 1st at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Apologies for those outside the United States. That was the time that seemed to work best for most people. I encourage you to join. There's a link in the description of this video where you can go and sign up for that webinar. We're going to talk about the background details why were there so many bank failures in the 1980s that we don't remember today, but there were bank failures in 2008 that we sure as hell remember? What was the difference and what can that tell us about not just 2023, but really 2024 and maybe the rest of the 2020s? Again, that's Friday, September 1st, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Link in the description. I hope to see you there. It isn't just the Phillips curve. That's really what we're talking about. The Phillips curve is big part of the inflation 
worldview, for lack of a better term, from, from economists and central bankers. What they're really afraid of is that the wage price spiral continues to contribute to positively to consumer prices, and then it infects inflation expectations, and then expectations become unanchored, and then the Federal Reserve job is incredibly difficult, if not impossible. So the Fed is trying to raise interest rates to cool off demand so that demand for workers can come down to where they believe supply is. They only believe that we're in a massive labor shortage in part, in large part, because of the BLS numbers on job openings. At Jackson Hole, Jay Powell said this just this past weekend. For example, so far, job openings have declined substantially without increasing unemployment, a highly welcome but historically unusual result that appears to reflect large excess demand for labor. And if you see a historically unusual result, the last thing you should do is say, hey, let's depend upon that. That may be just an anomaly. But there's a particular reason why the Federal Reserve is hopeful they can diminish, they can reduce demand for work and it not lead to a recession. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The current statistics on the labor market, the current statistics on job openings in particular, suggest that maybe we've already missed that point. Maybe the downside is accelerating a little bit faster than economists and Mr. Powell would like. The JOLTS numbers, which came out today, job openings fell to 8.83 million, which is still historically elevated because the job openings number, unlike the Federal Reserve's, you should realize, the job openings number is complete crap. It's highly misleading, and it hasn't been highly misleading just in the last couple of years. It's been misleading for quite a long time. So the important part here is job openings are declining, even though they're elevated, it's they're picking up on a substantial and even maybe quickening pace to the decline in demand for labor. So whatever level of demand there was before we got to the last several months, really this year, it's now dropping off substantially. Even the job openings number picks it up. Job openings were the lowest since March of 2021. So that's another relative measure about the state of potentially labor demand in the U.S. economy. The real number you should pay attention to is not really job openings. I know that's why economists love that number because it tells them about the labor shortage, which suggests that everything seems to be working fine, if not too well. Whereas the other number, hires, the rate of hires in the economy, that looks very, very different. In fact, that looks even worse than the payroll numbers, which have become a little concerning too. Again, we'll get the payroll report on Friday. The job openings, not, not job openings, the hires number for the month of July, 5.77 million. That's down from 5.94 million in June. That 5.77 million, that's the lowest since January of 2021. So even before we got to the whole supply, the main part of the supply shock, even before the labor market really started to move with the entire economy forced into that supply shock situation. And worse than that, 5.77 million in hires, that's about the same as 28, late 2018, early 2019, where we were talking about a recession back then, despite the fact that was four years ago. Companies are hiring, according to the government, at a rate that they did, they did the last time we were talking about a recession when the Fed was cutting interest rates. 
even though they had talked about a labor shortage based on job openings in 2018 anyway. So here we are kind of repeating the cycle. Job openings say labor shortage, hires say not really. Then hires get really weak and we start talking about a recession. The Fed starts cutting rates. You don't understand why the bond market is looking at all this data and saying, yeah, there's still a pivot coming. It's just we don't know exactly when Jay Powell is going to realize it and admit that the soft landing doesn't happen. As we talked about in a recent video, it doesn't happen. The final jolts number that we should be aware of, and that's quits. Quits is a measure of confidence among workers that they can quit their job and find another one better, uh, uh, the same or better relatively easily. Uh, the quit number for the month of July was 3.55 million. That's the lowest since February, 2021. So another one suggesting the labor market has made its round trip. So however good, however hot, however much, however many jobs were actually being you know, being returned to the economy after so many were subtracted and, and destroyed in 2020, we're getting back to this, whatever imbalance there was over the last couple of years, we're, we're all the way through it and getting to the other side. But does that mean that we're gonna just stop where we were before we entered this period? Or is there more downside to come? That's where markets are telling us more downside to come. That's where producer prices are telling us deflationary pressures. That's where a lot of economic data is pointing toward more weakness ahead of us. Not we're gonna gently move into a Goldilocks soft landing because of, believe it or not, according to the Fed, an L-shaped Phillips curve. But before we talk about the L-shaped Phillips curve, there's another factor that we really should consider that the Fed doesn't seem to wanna to consider, therefore it doesn't necessarily enter the public consciousness. And that's savings. A huge part of the demand versus supply imbalance was the government injecting quote unquote savings that they borrowed from the commercial banking system directly to consumers as well as businesses. All those PPP loans that have turned out to be gifts, well, that was excess savings. And according to a study released by the San Francisco Federal Reserve branch, do the Fed even read its own work? According to the study just from a little over a week ago, excess savings that Americans have been using throughout the last couple of years to continue to spend at elevated rates, that's coming to an end this quarter. Maybe we're seeing that already in some of these economic statistics, certainly the PMI numbers that we talked about recently too. But to San Francisco, accumulated excess savings in nominal terms totaled around 2.1 trillion by August, 2021 when it peaked. Since then, aggregate personal savings have dipped below the pre-pandemic trend, signaling an overall drawdown of pandemic-related excess savings. The drawdown in household savings was initially slow, but started to accelerate in 2022. And I've shown you this before with real disposable personal income. It was a huge way up here in 2021, and then 2022 has been well below trend. We're working through excess savings. Um, back to San Francisco. Our updated estimate for cumulative drawdowns, which reached more than 1.9 trillion as of June, 2023. This implies that there is less than 190 billion, 190 billion left of excess savings remaining in the aggregate economy. Should the recent pace of drawdowns persist, for example, at average rates from the past three, six or 12 months, aggregate excess savings would likely be depleted in the third quarter of 2023. Not only are we gonna deplete our excess savings, 
We've also got for millions of Americans that are gonna, they're gonna have to start paying student loans back. So there is a consumer, a possible consumer cliff waiting for us at some point, maybe now, maybe next month, maybe the month after. But the economic outlook is substantial downside risk that we're already picking up in wage number and labor numbers, as well as the consistency across markets. Where are markets today? Where are interest rates today? Basically where they were a year ago, looking for this potential outcome, consistency in that outlook. But the Fed says, no, we're pretty optimistic because we were really wrong about consumer prices and we were really wrong about the Phillips curve before 2020. If you remember back to 2018 and 2019, we heard all about a labor shortage back then, but we never got the consumer prices. We never got the inflation that they continued to project. And the reason many economists came up with was something they called a flat Phillips curve. And remember what the Phillips curve is. The Phillips curve posits a relationship between low levels of unemployment and high levels of wage increases or high levels of unemployment and low levels of wage increases, which makes intuitive sense, right? If, the, if businesses have to compete for scarce workers, they're gonna have to compete by raising their wage prices. And conversely, on the other side, if there's lots of scarce workers because of high levels of unemployment or recession, companies are not gonna have to compete for them. They're just gonna pick them up off the street, hire them at the prevailing wage, consumer prices don't go all that much, don't rise all that much. So the Phillips curve suggests that essentially you have this sort of small flat linear relationship and then eventually it rises to the point where when the unemployment rate is low, consumer prices, wage rates go up fast and consumer prices go up essentially around the same pace. But as we got to 2018 and 2019, the unemployment rate got lower and lower and lower. There was no spike in consumer prices as everyone had anticipated. So what economists surmise is that that part of the Phillips curve where it's supposed to rise sharply, where we get from, we get from some slack in the workforce to suddenly competition for workers, that must have flattened out for some reason throughout the post 2008 environment so that the unemployment rate fell further and further, but it didn't trigger the rise in uh, wage rates and therefore consumer prices. So the flat Phillips curve view prevailed into 2020 and 2021. Now, according to a paper that was published earlier this year that Jay Powell actually referenced in his Jackson Hole speech when he said, in addition, there is evidence that inflation has become more responsive to labor market tightness than was the case in recent decades. And the paper he was referring to was called, It's Back, The Surge in Inflation in the 2020s and the Return of the Non-Linear Phillips Curve. And what this paper suggests is that there's a difference in the Phillips curve between a labor shortage and a non-labor shortage, and that the Phillips curve is, is essentially non-linear. So it was flat in the 2000s up until supposedly the labor shortage in 2021. And then rather than rise gently, which would be over here, the, uh, the Phillips curve remaining flat, and then all of a sudden it's nonlinear. You get to a certain point that triggers a labor shortage and that leads to this immense competition where 
consumer prices and wage rates remain flat and then all of a sudden they just jerk upward and that's the explanation for 2021 according to this paper and so if that's the case if you believe that's the case then reversing that situation it wouldn't take that much of an increase of unemployment to go back in the other direction for wage rates to simply fall down back because you're going down the 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 steep part of the curve which is now non-linear back down to normal and that's what jay powell is essentially saying if we have an l-shaped phillips curve then what that means is we get we increase the unemployment rate just a tiny little bit and wage rates come right back to normal consumer price pressures disappear soft landing so the question is is there anything to this non-linear l-shaped phillips curve and the answer is i don't think so why would there be first of all as i mentioned 2018 and 2019 and wouldn't you know it in this paper that uh, powell reference they don't even they don't they just gloss over 2018 and 2019 they say there was a labor shortage based on essentially job openings to unemployed a ratio between job openings to unemployed there was a labor shortage in the 60s and that's where we got the great inflation according to their view there was a labor shortage in 2021 but what about that labor shortage they show in 2018 and 2019 instead they gloss over it they try to make it part of the pandemic period as if the pandemic interrupted the labor shortage and we picked up on the other side with it now that's not the case at all but as you can see on their own graphs they're ignoring how this didn't work in 2018 and 2019. You can say the pandemic interrupted the labor shortage, but that was a period of what? Over a year, maybe a year and a half, where according to their numbers, we had a labor shortage, but no increase in consumer prices. So to put it very briefly, and there's a lot to go over here, but to wrap this up, the idea that this L-shaped Phillips curve holds any validity is undercut by their own data and our own experience in 2018 and 2019 when we did the same stuff. Instead, we're looking at an economy that is maybe quickly decelerating in the labor market because they're right about that much, not in terms of inflation, but economic processes are non-linear. Everything seems to be fine, and then all of a sudden, it's not fine. That's what we're looking at in labor. That's what markets are looking for, and the JOLTS data today seem to confirm that we're getting it. It's a slow progression at first, but that progression eventually arrives in the labor market and the most important number today was not job openings it was the hires number if you want to see more about some of the ridiculous comments that came out of jay powell at jackson hole this week check out the video at the link below me as always i thank you very much for joining me huge thank you eurodollar university subscribers and of course our eurodollar university members until next time take care